And welcome back. I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers. Class is officially back in session, and we are here for a, another guest speaker episode, and I am so excited for this one. This one's been a little bit of a long time coming for you guys. We have Massachusetts artist who is about to be a Florida-based artist. Shout out Ed from uh, Bruce Beats and Eats. You better get this guy on the show and promote him like crazy. I know we still, be, we still will be up here. But I welcome Virgil to the show today. I am so excited to do this one. It's going to be great. How are you doing today, my man? Doing great, man. Um, excited for the move, like you said. Um, excited with the album just dropping. So everything's good. Everything's uh, onward and upward right now. Absolutely. I know. We got a lot to talk about tonight. I'm so <laughs> stoked. So this is a good one. And I guess not really a topic that we had at, at the start, but congratulations so you got a new job in florida you'll be moving to miami so uh tell them i know you're a teacher and that's kind of the, the point so uh tell me a little bit about uh about your new job and the move yeah so uh, i'm gonna be teaching uh kindergarten which is uh right on really the, the age group that i uh that I, I prefer um i also coach soccer here so um i know you're involved in basketball too but um being able to work with kids on multiple levels is great but also uh i don't know i think i think that perspective in general is just like a cool way to approach the world as a teacher so um even when it comes to like the music stuff if someone hits me up i'm always gonna you know give them give them a hand give them help if they can and be, be more of that nurturing uh personality um i think music industry in general tends to be so competitive and I don't really buy into that shit. Like I'll, I'll help out anyone that I can, if I, there's anything I can do. Um, like don't, don't hit me up now expecting me to put you on. I don't know anybody, but <laughs> uh, if you need, if you need something, I'm, I'm here and I'll, I'll always be there to talk it out. And I think that that comes from just that, that kind of personality that it takes to be a teacher. Like I said, giving back to my community um, and like being part of the Boston music community in general for the time I was here. Um, I think that I've actually met a couple of musicians in the area uh, who are teachers at, or involved in education. And it's, uh, it's nice to just have that bond throughout, uh, throughout everything. And also, um, like I said, give, I think you, as a teacher, you're naturally someone who's inclined to give back. And uh, and that's something that I've always tried to do in my time here is be supportive of the artists that I, um, I mean, whether I know them or not. Um, I always like discovering new music, and I think that's another another part uh, where there's a connection. Um, so much of teaching is about, especially in early childhood education, is about um, discovering and going on that journey with the child for them to learn. Um, and I try to take that mentality with the music too, and that. Um, at any time you send me some new music or one of my homies or um, someone says check out this Boston artist or I'm at a show and I meet someone I, I, I don't just say I'm gonna listen to your music follow them on Instagram and then unfollow them in a couple of weeks I'll, I'll always give them an ear I'll hit up their SoundCloud Spotify whatever and actually listen to their music 
I really like that, dude. I like that sentiment a ton. And it's interesting that, you know, you're, you're obviously going to teach kindergarten and I'm on the opposite spectrum in the high school levels. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, regardless of, of what education looks like, I think we can agree that it's obviously super important. It's super important in the music world, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like, like, like you're saying it, it takes a lot to be an artist, get not only be an artist, but, you know, get yourself out there and, and, and try to like really expand and, and, you know, gain a, an audience and things like that. And that's not an easy thing if you have to, you know, you have to go out and make those connections and make those instances. Mm-hmm. So like, for you, you, you understand that. And I actually res- res- like respect that a ton that, you know, you're not somebody that's just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like I'll just follow you. And you know, that's really it. like, you, you actually take the time to, to listen. I mean, I, that, that's, you know, it's funny, but maybe it's just kind of the teacher in us to kind of like do that. Cause I mean, that's like, yeah. I know I'm not an artist, but that's really like, you know, RMO is to, you know, really sit down with the music and actually dissect it, listen to it, yeah. like, and, and really, and really give it its due diligence. And I think there's just so many people making music uh-huh. part of the problem too. Yeah. Of the over, oversaturation. But I feel like people feel like them to stay or to feel like they're staying relevant. They have to like, you know, drop music all the time. And, and so that way, like people don't forget about them. So I, I find the, you know, the strategy of, of actually like, you know, not only marketing yourself, but putting music out there is, is definitely different than it, than it was, I think, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I agree. And uh, I don't know if we had this conversation in the past, but I think, I think there's something to be said for artists in general, both mainstream and underground who pace themselves. So um, I think, I think if you're oversaturating your music, if you're putting too much music out there, there, there's such a thing of that still. To this day, like the other day when J. Cole released those two tracks, I hit you up and I was like, dude, J. Cole. Yeah. And that there's something to be said with, J, I think like J. Cole's pacing and uh, some similar artists, Kendrick's pacing. Uh, you're still excited every time there's a release. And I think there's something great about that rather than just seeing how much you can get out there and uh and trying to make it that way i i i kind of i guess i'm from the old school that way where i'd i'd prefer to see maybe an album a year and a couple of singles every year and i think that's a that's a palatable amount of uh work from an artist for a year in my opinion yeah well i was even going to mention that to you because timelines which just released at the time we're recording this just released last week and you know and, and this is your debut album but I feel like you've been making music, at least in the conversations we've had, like, I, I feel like you've been making music for a long time. So that was that, was that something that you wanted? Like you wanted your debut album to be like, I don't want to say perfect. Cause that's never like, that's not like, a, mm-hmm. um, I heard to me, I don't think perfect's ever like quite achievable, but yeah. in the sense, like, were you looking to, in, in that sense, kind of pace yourself with timelines and, and, and get it in a place where you felt like it was ready to actually, you know, be put out to the masses. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a couple of songs on that album that are over four years old. So there's, there's songs that were recorded three or four years ago, at least. Um, there's, I'd say the majority of it was written this winter and during COVID. I don't think it's so much for me that it was about uh, pacing myself. It was more about feeling like I'm, I'm a mature enough artist at this point, or I've reached where I want to be as an artist. And I think that I can, I can put out a project that's, reflective of who I want to be as an artist um and I don't think I was at that point until this year so I think I was ready to put out singles before and uh hand in hand with that if you're thinking about putting out an album anyone it's 
it's a it's a process it's not uh especially if you're going to do it right like, it's not something to just throw together and then put out um it's just not really how i do things anyway it was a long time coming so it's good to finally get it out there well, I, I think the, the album is absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. It's so well-crafted. Any, like, old, not even just old-school hip-hop fans, if you're just, like, a music fan, there's probably something on this album for you. I actually have the physical copy that you gave me last week at the party. So yeah. uh, I, I ended up copying or receiving a, a physical copy, but you guys can obviously stream it uh, anywhere right now. It's on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, basically anywhere where you get your music. But... Uh, so yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about timelines because one, I like, I just enjoy the, the craftsmanship of it and sort of the, really the angle you took at it, which I thought was a little bit unique, especially for, you know, these days. So I, I want to hear like your, your, your process and your vision, what you really had for timelines, like as an actual project. What I wanted to do was provide a whole spectrum of tracks, some that embodied me personally and some that were more reflective of uh, people that I know or have experienced or haven't had the voice to be able to speak the stories that they've told me and uh, that's kind of uh, that's where the title of the album came from too is there's all these different points along your your personal timeline whether they're contributed from other people or yourself that make you into the person that you are um, and I tried to uh, to give that perspective, so to speak, from not only myself, but from people who are important to me or people who influence my lives or people who just had interesting stories to tell. Dude, I think that's like the really unique thing because I feel like with artists, not always, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't like blanket statement this, but you know, there are a lot of artists, they tend to rap or sing or whatever it is. Like it comes from a place like whether it's introspection or it really comes somewhere from within, but and there are moments on this on this album that do come from within with you, but then you know you brought in a little a lot of different you know perspectives in that, like you know, um, whoever you were rap you were rapping in the perspective of being a, like a new father and 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 trying to like uh, not you personally because you're not a father, but like you know you were rapping as someone that you know had a kid and's kind of struggling to you know, keep their old social crowd, you know what I mean? And like, you know, kind of navigating how you can, you know, when you have kids, it's just kind of, it kind of becomes one of those things where it's, it's difficult to sort of, you know, have your, I don't want to say your old life, but you know, the life that you had when you, when you didn't have kids, cause it's like a whole different responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I loved that. Like, that's just one moment on the album where you get into a different perspective, but you know, for you, like, what did it, what did it kind of mean for you to, to be able to put other people's stories out there, which is again, like a, a very different way of, of, of looking at a project. And I think the name of the project too, and the way you just explained it, like it totally works, but. Uh -huh. um, yeah, no, I think, I think there's some songs that are super personal to me on this. Uh, like for example, timelines is one of them that was written from first person from me. So that was, that one is from my perspective. Um, what's the difference I think really gets into like mental health issues and stuff that I've struggled with before and that, in that, uh, context and also like how that plays against, uh, loving and losing someone that you love. Um, but then you get into songs like Stargazer, Grey Matter, um, and, uh, you, you really start looking at that, that, uh, a different perspective. So either stories that have been shared with me. 
Um, Stargazer talks about a kid whose parents divorced and his life kind of fell apart after that and trying to fight his way through that and become the man that he wants to be. And uh, my parents are together and very happily married. So that's not, that's not, that story is not about me. I'm going to keep the names to myself, of course, but um, there's some people have told me great stories across the years and I've always tried to listen to them. And I've books on books like this that are full of notes about stories that I heard, things that I heard. And I always go back and read them and see, see what's interesting to me. Um, so I tr I've always tried to write my rap through the perspective of a poet and it's been hard, I think, to get to the point where my music was good enough to do the poetry justice. So that, that was, that's one of the things that I struggled with the most is my music was never where I wanted it to be. Yeah, I knew the words were good, but I needed to get the music caught up. So one quick thing before I pivot here, because I like something you just said, but I find the, you're kind of talking about listening and listening actually, believe it or not, like as, as educators, I'm sure, you know, I mean, maybe a little bit more so with, with me and, and the way I evaluate my students, but we see like in, in, especially in Massachusetts and in, in the curriculum frameworks, like speaking and listening is actually a, a, uh, you know, a, a skill that is really rooted in, in, in the curriculum and, and is really like a framework for, you know, for education. And not a lot of people, when they think about education, they think about being a good listener and really what that means. I think you, you know, you, you try to teach it at a young age, like with kids that you, you, uh, that you teach, but it's really essential with like the kids that I teach, because if they're not able to listen and bring in different perspectives, kind of like what you're saying, you know, there's a, there's a sense where like you might not learn as much as you can, because you can learn from so many different people by just by listening. And especially during the day, the day and age that we're in, I think listening is like, you know, a huge part of part of education and people starting to understand that a little bit, but it, it, tends, it tends to not be like something that's always, or that people that aren't in education, they don't really see it as like yeah. a final thing, but really is. So. Definitely. And I think that's something that a lot of people have a hard time with it, just in general is, is listening and he actually hearing someone's story and caring enough to show that person appreciation. And I think, uh, I think especially in, in the rap game, you see, you see artists who they want it to be all about them. They want the story to be all about them, like you said, and, uh, they want to talk their shit and that's fine. And that's why my bonus track, I think is, is a pretty funny song. Like to end it all is like, after taking all this time to give the people perspective, um, and all these different points of view, I hit them with the song called Hubris that's all about myself and bragging about myself as a rapper, um, which is really not what I stand for, but I, I like the irony of it at the end. So, No, I definitely mess with that too. That's one of like definitely your, that and Stargazer are like your hard hitters, I feel like. like yeah. those, those are the tracks. Or no, no, was it Garnet that was one of the hard Yeah, Garnet. Garnet, Garnet, Garnet was, it was Garnet and, and Hubris. Those were like the hard hitting yeah. ones, but I, I personally liked hubris. I thought that was like, cause it was different for you. Like you're saying, you're definitely, you were like talking your shit. You know, it's it very interesting to see that side of you still that you can still, again, this was supposed to be more of a conscious thing. It was supposed to be more of like a, you know, a collective of different experiences you've had and people you've met. And I, I love all of that, but yeah. you got to have that one track that people yeah. can 
pop on the whip and turn some heads. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I honestly, I really, I, I think I fuck with the song Crimedy from that perspective the most because I think it does a little bit of both. Like I think, I think Crimedy bangs a little bit, but it's also, it's another song that's really ironic. That that song, when I was writing it, what I was trying to write about is when you're when you're a single guy and you're like going into these different experiences and you, you think that you're getting like eyes from the girl or you think that, that there's something there. It's really just your imagination or it's your mind playing tricks on you. And yeah. I think like, I don't know, I, I get a kick out of that song. Yeah. We've, we've all been there, right? As, <laughs> as like you, you just, you read the room wrong. You're like, oh, yeah. you, you tell your boy you're with, you know, you're like, Oh, I think, I think that girl over there, like, yeah. he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, sure go over there and it's just not the case right <laughs> yeah. you got to take that that ego check that you know that yeah. humble that humble pie right you know as yeah, so so that song so the album starts that's the first song after the intro the album starts with a song about humble pie and it ends with the song titled hubris so that's also the progression there too yeah no for sure to get yeah, to get to that point to be able to yeah to shit you got to take some lumps you got to be told no <laughs> yeah a few times to to really kind of gain some perspective no i dude i'm with the whole thing i mean i'm loving it people in the scene are loving it i mean i've had you know some other artists that we've talked about washi being one of them being you know reaching out to me being like that virgil album is is some shit like that's a that's a that's some some medicine or some some good stuff for the noggin he was saying yeah, or yeah. Some, some food for thought which i was like no i i, I agree it's it's amazing i, I find it to be a really great piece of a really lyrical poetry and and for you i know you're a big fan of literature and poetry uh -huh. so i know that again i know the teaching aspect doesn't really fit a ton with the actual music creation but i'd be yeah, hard pressed yeah. to imagine that the poetry and literature piece does not so in yeah, terms yeah. of storytelling lyricism and all that so you know talk to me about your your love for poetry and your love for literature how it maybe impacts your creative and writing process in the way that you does it help with rhythm does it help more with lyrics maybe a mix of both um talk to me a little bit about, uh, about that definitely so my degree is in creative writing so that's what i studied in college and it was with a focus on poetry so i was over here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we we got the we got the creative writers here oh um, no so, no i am not a creative writer yeah. at that's so, so my mother's the, the creative one like she exactly. she writes poetry and, and she's a good writer i am all analytics dude like i can't yeah have me make up a story it's not gonna it's not gonna sound great I so. got you. but i yeah. i can analyze the shit for days it's, can't it's funny it. it's funny because you you talk to me about analysis and i start falling asleep so it's uh <laughs> you know I, everyone's got their everyone's got their avenue or the, their, their strength so you just gotta Sorry, that. Fun, yeah. but uh <laughs> Yeah, for for me, the biggest thing was um, I started publishing poetry out of school, and it was hard for me because it, it felt like this is what I got to do. Like, I got to push for this. I really got to do this. Um, I You study creative writing, and you're not publishing poetry right now. And, like, I, I publish a couple po poems in uh, magazines, but I was just listening. I was listening to Bob Dylan one day, I think, and I was like, um, I I have too much love for music, and I I used to sing, and like I, I have all these all these this love for hip hop, and I, I was always obsessed with hip hop, and it, it's a shame to to waste this and to to not at least give this a try. 
Um, and when I started, I really sucked. And I think a lot of people are there. Um, but like I said before, even, even when I was terrible, even when I wouldn't let my neighbors hear my music or uh, my roommates hear my music, I, I, my words were good. And I knew that, like, I knew I had the words that that's always, that's always been the case. Um, I, I loved what I was saying. I love, I love the stories I was telling even then. Um, but it was just about finding my voice and uh, be, being able, learning to record. There's so much that goes into that. Um, but that all started with my love for literature. And I think even when I was publishing poetry, my professors used to tell me, you're, you write some of the most m musical poetry that we've ever heard, like uh, alliteration, uh, consonants, like all, all those uh, literary terms uh, that, that contribute to uh, poetry that sound, that where sound is the focus. That was, that was my strength as a poet. So it seemed only natural that I, I take what my strength was in sound and put that to a medium that's about sound. And I think it, like I said, in, in your, your album, in not just your album, but all your music, it, it really comes out. You're, you're as a writer, as a poet, like, I think you, like, as a, I mean, I, I know you haven't performed a ton, but I, I would be hard pressed to imagine, like, you could, you could do some really good slam poetry, I feel like, you know yeah. what I mean? That would be like something that would be right up, up your alley with maybe a little bit of, you know, a little bit of instrumental music behind you, but that really would, you feel like you wouldn't be skipping a beat there, no pun intended, but I, I, I really like, no, I, oh, I should punch you through the screen for that. <laughs> Dude, if you listen, if you ask any of my students, right. Ask them, <laughs> I, I drop one of these like once a week, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, like, you know, nah, I'm, I'm with it. I, I love, I love a good dad joke. Keep the, keep the yeah. pumps coming. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, something that I've, I've, I've dropped a few on this, on this show. <laughs> our, our old listeners know they're like, oh, it's just another bad. Uh, they, our listeners, you know, for, I love you guys. Thank you all for, for your, for your support. Despite my, uh, the few times I can get a little cringy there, but, <laughs> but no, man, like, like the poetry thing, like that's kind of how for me, like I got into hip hop in a sense because I, I liked literature a lot growing up too and really the only piece of literature as I was in middle school and high school that well I shouldn't say for all of high school but a majority of high school that I liked was poetry because it was a little bit more quick hitting um, I felt like that the like imagery was really like big for me like I love imagery I think that that's something you do really well in your music but is, is create images and, and create like, you know, um, like mental, mental pictures for people with, with your, with your words. And that's really like the, you know, the testament of any good writer and no matter whether it's songwriting or, you know, poet, poetic and, or, you know, a, a creative piece or whatever it is. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, hip hop in general, like I saw a lot of connections with, you know, like poetry and, and, uh, and hip hop and, Really enough, when I was in middle school, I remember uh, we did we did uh, Midsummer's Night, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, mm -hmm. and at the time, Lil Wayne was like huge, like yeah. he was a big one, right? And a lot of times, uh, there actually there's stuff out there that Wayne used to rap in like iambic pentameter, and he used to take True. Shakespeare's like rhythm. And ever since I heard that, I was like, huh. Like that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Like that. I'm calling bullshit on that. Cause he didn't even write any of his own shit. Like he didn't write anything. He just, he just stepped up to the mic, which is why Lil Wayne's so amazing. I like, know. Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne just 
brain dumped everything and he made like 5,000 amazing songs. It's, it's like, uh, I've never understood Lil Wayne's career. Yeah, like, no, I mean, yeah. I, I also feel, I also feel bad for him because he came around during a time when no artist was really doing that and he just pushed out material nonstop. Yeah, I mean, can you, I mean, at that time, I'm trying to think of somebody that was putting out as much content as Wayne. No. Because he was, I'm not even talking about commercial albums. I'm yeah. talking the like we're all all the mixtapes like all the all the droughts yeah. I think it was like seven of them or something crazy yeah. like that. the drought the drought is over the drought is two the drought is over just on and on and on on and on with the drought and then yeah. uh, there was I mean yeah, there was there was just so many different series that he had going on he had like the free wheezy series he yeah. had uh, oh my god what's the other one I'm forgetting the Carters well the Carters no I'm talking about the mixtapes though like what yeah. were I think the Carter, no, the, yeah, the Carter was always an album. I thought maybe the first Carter, was, yeah, yeah, those were definitely albums. What was what was it going to his big mixtape runs that he that he did? I'm I'm completely blanking on on like one of the most popular. Mm. Sorry for the waits. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait look it up and, and then hit me. Um, yeah, so I mean, he just was pumping out content. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, sorry, that, we went on a little wheezy tangent there. But no, 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 love Wayne. I mean, actually, yeah. we. I, we talked a little Wayne with um with Mako actually on the last on the last yeah. either way. I feel that's the other thing is like anyone who was around during that time has a good thing to say about Wayne. No no one no one talks shit on Wayne. There's not really anything to say. No. Except no. for fucking except for Birdman's bullshit. Like Yeah. But that's not really his fault. So in terms of his studio albums, I'll I'll keep it to like the Carters, let's say. Yeah. Which which one of the Carters is is your favorite? I think the Carter Three, man. Like the the Carter Three is one of the most complete like punchline rap albums I've ever heard. Like, it's amazing. I, I'm while I love my lyrical and like poetic stuff, I still I still lose my shit for a good punchline, and I, I don't I don't know too many artists who just like throw them at you like Wayne would. Like, that album is nonstop. Although I will say this though, there were some really like touching moments on that album. Like yeah. time on hands, like what he did for the like the it was basically the mm-hmm. um it was kind That's of a cool sample story. too. What's that? That's a cool sample too. Oh, the time on hands one with yeah. Oh my god, yeah. What, what yeah. uh? What do you know what sample that that was? I uh, never I forget, but it's cool. Yeah, Robin Thick. I mean, he did a he did a good job on that on that hook from what mm-hmm. I'm remembering and. Yeah, no, like like a song like that had some had some actual weight to it, you know what I mean? But then you're right. He had the songs like, you know, um, you know, get was uh get got money or with, yeah. uh, with phone with, home. Phone home. That <laughs> was always my, jam. That was always my least favorite song. Yeah. Really. It was um, so the hook was annoying, but he, he still goes off. He snaps on everything. Dude, I know. Like he he just was one of he he was in his bag, so to speak. That's you know, that's the, the yeah. term today. But I like, also think some the the thing that an artist can I, I always look at artists as like a an opportunity for a toolbox when I'm not just trying to to enjoy them. So like, what can you take from Lil Wayne that's amazing? And it's having a kind of weird voice and making it work for you, like owning that shit. Right. And well, Chance uh, the Rapper I think did that a little bit too. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. But it's it's a, it's really, I think. For the lesson the lesson to be learned from Lil Wayne is you can you can embrace your voice even if it's not perfect. And there's I mean there's a million artists you could do that from. If you want to talk like I, I saw Mako talking about Neil Young. He's a good example of that. And so is Bob Dylan, like artists who 
can't really sing, but they can really write and they can really play. And, uh, and I think, I don't know, that, that's something, that's something that I think speaks to, uh, to anybody really giving this a go. You can make your voice unique and you can make it what you want it to be. Yeah, I feel like with Bob Dylan in particular, that's always the one thing that people say that, that's negative about him. They're like, they, he didn't have like a standout voice. He was probably one of the best writers yeah. of all time. Or is, is, I mean, he's definitely in that conversation. I, think and, he, I personally think he has an excellent voice, but it's, I, I understand that perspective. It's not, it's not your run of the mill, like he's got pipes. You wouldn't say Bob Dylan has pipes, but right. he knows how to use his voice. And, and I mean, he's taught me so much about like inflection so, so bending your words or making words rhyme that don't rhyme or, uh, or line breaks. Like Bob Dylan's a great person to study as a hip hop artist. Well, a lot of people talk about that too, that because of the way, like the rhythm that he used, it was, it's actually fits really nicely with hip hop. Yeah. yeah it, I'd say it's almost like, it's almost a precursor to hip hop. I'm not saying by any means that Bob Dylan's involved in the, uh the creation of hip-hop or, or the birth of hip-hop but like there's a lot of parallels you can draw for sure you're, wait, so you're telling me that shakespeare and bob dylan are not the fathers <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know <laughs> ask wheezy <laughs> wheezy yeah wheezy would probably tell you otherwise yeah. but um no I'd but pet it, i'd pet to see him say that with a cup of syrup in his hand <laughs> yeah that's probably the only time he would say it right, right. Where, when, it, when it would actually somewhat make sense in that in that regard <laughs> No, but it's it's interesting that like, you know, some of these guys there, you know, they really made a name for what they did, you know, despite some of the, the flaws. So it's like, you don't have to have it all. You don't have to have like the the chart topping voice with the right. Like you can, you can work your way around certain things. I feel like as an artist, you don't have to have it all necessarily. Yeah. And a I lot mean, of it comes down to taste too at the end of the day. That's true so, too. So exactly. like, you were talking about uh, going back to Dylan. Like a lot of people don't like his voice. I, I fucking love his voice. I could listen to Bob Dylan sing all day. But um, you take that to hip hop artists. Like, for example, you, you mentioned Chance. I freaking love Chance's voice. Like, I think Chance's voice is so unique and wonderful. And he knows just how to use it. His cadence is beautiful. He can rap. He can sing. I, I love Chance's uh, voice personally. Oh, me too. Um, yeah, I've yeah. Always, no, um, I've but, always loved Chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know where, where people, another good example of that is Mac. Like he spent his whole career trying to develop his singing voice. And right. By the end, he got pretty damn good at it. He could actually sing. Um, but he, he was never like a talented singer. He, he just no. knew how to use his voice. No. I mean, if you, if you go back in Mac's discography, right, if you go to like a blue slide park and you hear him yeah. try to sing on that, Personally, personally, I think like it was interesting because I loved kids and yeah. with with Mac, it seemed like, you know, Blue Slide Park was such uh like like step back. Like, yeah, like a yeah. huge step back for him. It I didn't agree. feel right. And he tried to get too poppy with it and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. By the time, like I said, I mean, we're talking like swimming and, and even before that, like Divine Feminine and, and yeah. for a little bit good good AM, but mostly on divine feminine and um and uh swimming and then oh and then obviously on on the new one this year uh circle but he you're right he totally found his singing sound like yeah. that was 
what he was really missing for a lot of his career. Like that's what I, you could tell he was trying to go in that direction for a little while. Like especially after watching movies, that was really like he he tried yeah. to pivot towards like a more I don't say musical sound, but yeah, it was more like rooted in instrumentation. Yeah, you get you get a lot of jazz and soul and neo soul in there at the end, and I love that shit. Oh, uh, same. Up my also, yeah. Mac reminds me of something that I was talking to about uh, uh, with a friend the other day, and that I can't think of too many artists who had a straight line like this, where each like an exponential line of growth. There, I don't think there are too many who did like where each album's a little bit better than the next. I think there, I think there's ebbs and flows if you go from album to album on pretty much every artist. For sure. I was trying to, I was trying to think of that the other day. Can can you think of anyone who's every every single album got a little bit better? The only right, person. I'm turning, I'm turning the tables. You wouldn't be the first one, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Mako did it to me. I've I've had some other people in the past do it to me. Um, I think that's actually the the name of the episode that I did with Ed for his for his. For at Bruce Beats and Eats, oh, I think turn the table. it was turn or whatever, whatever. That's pretty creative. Did Ed come up with that or did you? Oh, Ed, I'll give yeah. that. Ed definitely did. I think yep. Ed might be the king of dad jokes. Like we we gotta we gotta dig in on that a little bit. But <laughs> I, I could I could see him killing those. Why do you Why do you think he and I get along so well? <laughs> why, do, why do you think? Right. Yeah. That, I, I I know Ed's listening to this episode at some point when this comes out. So big sure. big shout out to him yeah, and Bruce Beats. Absolutely. Excited to see him soon. Oh, I know. I know. I can't wait to act once Corona's over. I can't wait to come yeah. visit you in Florida and then right. finally meet that man in person. That's going to be yeah. the perfect way to do it. But to answer your question, and you've actually given me some time to think about this, so thank you. Um, the only artist I could have thought of at the moment, mm-hmm. just based on looking at behind me, yeah. would have been Denzel Curry, except okay. Zoo, until, until Taboo. Sure. I would have said for sure Denzel. Like he got better and better and better with the releases. I didn't think Zoo was better than Taboo though, so that kind of takes uh-huh. it out. I was thinking Tyler the Creator one because that's what a lot of people, in especially hip hop, that's like kind of the mainstream thing to say. Like, oh, Tyler's the most progressed artist, you know, or whatever, whatever yeah. you want to call. Him. He's shown the most progression, uh-huh. and you. While that is true. There's a lot of people that I mean, not everybody feels this way. I know Od- uh, Odin's TV and I we did a we did an episode where we did uh, Tyler Creator's Cherry Bomb, and that's literally the one kind of smack in the middle where people were like, "Eh, I don't yeah. know," you know. I'm certainly so, not a huge Tyler fan. I mean, like I'm I'm familiar with them, but it's it's not for me. I don't, did you ever did you ever listen to uh, Flower Boy? Yeah, I like it. You like okay? I was about to say that I feel like yeah. if any, out of any Tyler album, that would probably be knowing your taste that would probably be your favorite yeah. but the only artist that i could think of that answers that question in a hip-hop sense lately anyway is uh ybn corday but he, he's, he's not, uh, not a lot to not a lot to look yeah, at with that. If he, he's got two mixtapes i don't know if you've ever heard the heard the mixtapes um but they they're uh they're preludes to lost boy um okay. they were before he was signed even and and they're both fire but I, every single one of them, he's gotten a little better. But he's got he got one album on a real label, so it's it's hard to hard to characterize him as that yet. But right. Yeah, he I like, has. I like where his career's headed. Oh, I do too. I th- I think he's, he's one of the. Still, most- he's still young. Oh, absolutely. He's he yeah. is very young. He's definitely in the conversation as one of the best younger guys coming yeah. up. I think uh, I think he's got a good shot. 
Yeah, I think guys like him and Jid would be like two off the top of my head that I can think of. That Jid's really... kind of old though. Jid's an old man. I think How old is he? I think Jid's like 28, 29. So he's getting up there already. I mean, I, I, I'm, you're, it's coming from a man who just turned 30, so I can't really talk my shit. <laughs> Jid, this is not a diss. You're like one of my favorite rappers. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, yeah, Jid's, Jid's not a young rapper, even though like he's, he's new, to the, new to the scene kind of. Yeah, that's kind of where I meant with it. Like yeah. a more, yeah. And I didn't mean it like an age. I meant more yeah, like an, yeah. like kind of the you know newer age of of, of hip hop. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two of the names that you could yeah. see as, as being. I think know, I think Isaiah Rashad is mad slept on too. But I again the, the with Isaiah the sample size isn't quite there. I mean yeah. he only has the two albums, which I love both of them. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I think they're phenomenal. Uh, I think that Sylvia demo is one of the most slept on albums mm-hmm. that I've ever heard. Like nobody talks about that one and there's yeah. so many good songs on that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, you know, guys that are really coming up that are next. Yeah. I would say, I mean, off the top of my head, probably YBN and Jid would be in definitely yeah. at the top. And I think, I think that's like when you're talking pure rapper, but I feel like there's so many people who are doing the genre bending right now, like we were talking about today. Um, uh, but like, you got like a guy like Smino, who's just like constantly putting out good music and no one no one knows what to do with them. Like, is he an R&B artist? Is he a rapper? Is he Neo Soul? Like, what what genre is that? And that's, that's, that's something that I love about hip hop right now. It's like everyone's, everyone's touching it like and not quite crossing the line or they're stepping out of hip-hop and just crossing the line into another genre and i think that's really cool oh it's uh, it's amazing man like i i love that too like the genre bending stuff is like you were like we were saying like for example i had you listen to the dominic fight what could uh, possibly be an album that just yeah. came out this past friday as we we're recording this and like that guy to me when you want to talk about, like, I look at him almost because Post Malone was doing a little bit of this, like yeah. the John stuff. I like Post Malone personally, but uh-huh. I think Dominic Fike as a whole is a lot, I don't know, he's a lot, little cleaner. He's, his, he's a little bit more uh, creative with some of the, 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 uh-huh. the uh, different. I like, I like how he brings in elements of rock music and, yeah. and like soul into. Uh, into his choruses and into like the ambiance he he does a lot of what an artist that me and you really like called Healy does there's like there's like a lot of ambient sound in that album and and I think that's something that's really cool is artists stepping back and letting space and letting things breathe and a good way to accentuate that is by either uh, like sampling sounds or bringing in voices um, creating all that ambient sound. I, I think that's a really cool technique. And I, I like that in that album a lot. That, oh, album, sure. that album was great. Yeah. You know, I, well, cause I, I know that you, you like great music and that I thought it fit. Like, again, it wasn't quite what I, what I, what we've talked about as, as some of our yeah. favorites. You no, know, since we're, I mean, we're big fans of Healy. Like I, I love that by the way, like yeah. not, not to jump to Healy real quick. <laughs> when you, when you posted second wind, yeah. I was like, you know this guy too. I was like, I thought I was the only one that knew this, knew this dude, or not the not the only one, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, every time I've been an unapologetic Healy fanboy for a long time. Oh, 
dude, some of the melodies that he plays with, especially in that second win song, but just in general, like he just makes such good, like alternative soul hip hop driven tracks, man. It's like, it's the most easy listening music I know. Like I, if I'm on a beach or if I'm somewhere on with a drink in hand or just chilling outside, like I want Healy all the time and I never get tired. I never get tired of it. He's so good, man. Like yeah. anybody that listened to Healy, definitely check him out. He's, he's, he got this new sure. single called that is just fantastic. He had an album called, um, I think it was Sublux, like Sublux I, yeah. which is in 2017 had a bunch of great songs on it. Actually, he made my top 50 songs of, uh, the 2010s. I, I Unwind is one of my favorite songs of, of that decade, for sure. Like, I played that song probably so many times. I think my brother actually showed me that is where I found yeah. him. And from there, I just kind of, like, went through the whole album. And I was like, this guy's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really excited to see, like, that he's putting out some quality music. Yeah, but the other song I really liked this summer from him was Nike's On. So if, uh, if you're going to look up look up Healy, definitely check that one out in, in addition to Sublux. Yes, yes, and then and, and of course the new one, Second Wind, is is, is great too. But those, all those all those songs are yeah, Nike's on is is phenomenal, and and Dominic Fike's another guy. Like I said, I I really I've been on Dominic Fike since my, I got to shout out my boy uh, my boy Chewy or Jared Vashon, aka Chewy, he put me on to uh, to Fike with um, I can't remember exactly what um, the album's called or the EP, but um, there's a song called Three Nights off of it. It came out, I want to say 2018, and it was just, it, again, that genre bending, like indie indie sounding rock, but also had like some really cool neo, neo soul and even like, he, it's weird. He's almost like a pop star, but he's like not really your average pop star. He's a little yeah. bit more orthodox than that. So it's, it's he, he like really doesn't fit a mold. He's really his own lane. Yeah. Like so many different influences i hear from from uh, dominic fike whether you're talking about frank ocean i hear i hear instrumentally i hear a little tame impala yeah uh, you know i, I even challenge, i challenge anyone to listen to that album and tell me what genre that is i i, I actually don't know so i was talking to chewy about this today because he texted me and he yeah. said he said uh i hope you're listening to the dominic fike album today and i said oh of course of course i am <laughs> and what i gathered is I just really think that he just has a great ear for like instrumental blends and like different yeah. progression he plays with so many different sounds. He, Absol- his absolutely great instrumental selection on there too. I need to dig into producer credit or uh, if if that was all like recorded in studio or or how how he worked with that. But uh, <laughs> I, I, that's something I need to look up because the production was absolutely superb. And I I know he's I know he's got Columbia Records backing, so that doesn't like that doesn't hurt at all. But at the same time, um, that that is it's just it's high quality music all the way through. It absolutely is. And with me, like how I described it, I guess genre wise, I said indie pop with like a mix of hip hop and even funk and like yeah, like yeah. a little bit like alternative rock. But uh, Chewy, shout out him again. Like his his one liner that kind of did it for me is uh he's he said it was it's perfect sunday morning music and i kind of agree yeah. it works well in that favor I but i think it's super playable and versatile in like really any setting so i i'm a huge dominic fike fan right now he made my number four 
uh, Politics and Violence was this, one of the singles off that album. Oh. It's, it's my number four song of the year so far, at least at my, my mid-year list. Sure. Is where it, and I just, yeah. I, and, I, oh, and I also love just the fact that he, when he was on Peach with Brock Hampton or, or oh. Kevin Abstract, that song was amazing too. That's kind of where I solidified it for me. Yeah. Um, so besides Healy and Dominic Fike, I know you just, I just uh, got you on to Dominic Fike today. So I'm interested though, what are some other like under the radar artists that you like or like, um, you know, artists that you don't think most people listen to? Yeah, or, so I, I listen to a, a lot of underground music in general. Um, I actually spend a huge time, uh, amount of time in the, uh, in the beat community. Um, I love producers and I love listening to production for production's sake. Um, but I'm going to start with a rapper. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Dude named Juicebox. I haven't uh, heard of Juicebox, so I'm going to have to write Juicebox that Juicebox is, I'd say, another one of those who's really pushing the envelope as far as what genre is this. He's got a background in, uh, in like, I, I think he played for a rock band for a while. And, uh, Look up, uh, look up the song Egyptian Pools by Juicebox, and you'll see what I mean. It's just really, uh, it's, it's genre-bending music. You, you never heard anything like it. Um, another one that's a, from him that's a, a story is a song called Donna. Oh, wow. Uh, and you might, you might need to really, like, you, need, you might need to check out a, a SoundCloud to find that one. That's an older one. But um, Juicebox, is, Juicebox is some good shit um let's see i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to get a little bit more mainstream than that because that's like that's way off the deep end over there from a production standpoint i'm i'm really into um a producer named prices p-r-y-c-e-s um he actually produced a song on my album um but he does a lot of uh i'd say like borderline edm stuff um in, in his modern iteration and uh it's really it's still i'd, I'd call it like uh like chill trap almost like it's uh traps a little yeah yeah i like i really like you know that i like lo-fi uh beats a lot mm-hmm. um but i i really like lo-fi beats that still slap um and and that's the reason that i work so much with uh the producer flapjacks um is that i'd say that's really that's really what he is it's it's uh weird it's weird sounds it's lo-fi sounds but it really really slaps yeah, his production, uh, production on your album was great man i i, I love those are some of my favorite tracks were the ones, yeah. that, the ones that he did man yeah he's uh he's a talented cat um i'm trying to think of uh if we're going going a little more mainstream here like i said um big big jid fan big deontay hitchcock fan um i, yeah. I don't think i can go this year without mentioning Goda. Um, cause I think Coda put out one of the best albums of the year. I know, I know we're not quite on the same page with this one. We've talked about this before. I know you like Coda's album, but I think, I think Coda's album is special. And to go on a little Coda tangent as well, I have so much respect for a guy who would get offered uh, a record deal and say no, and be so outspoken that the reason that he's not accepting a record deal is because, um, the, the music industry has used that to screw black artists for hundreds of years. And I think that's, that's an incredible thing to take a stand on and then follow it up, dropping an album like that and getting the results that he is and getting the numbers and getting the recognition. Um, he deserves a lot of credit for 
for drawing that line in the sand and also for putting out music like that. So yeah, a lot of love for Coda. No, I, for, with Coda, I really enjoyed that album quite a bit. Um, I, I can't see again. Yeah. We, we differ a little bit on that. I can't say it was like my favorite album of the year, but uh, it is one that I have gone back to. I do see some replayability with it. And I, and I think I do encourage anybody that likes lo-fi hip hop or very soulful jazzy hip hop. That's an album that you can definitely get behind. Uh, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of that album reminds me like a little bit of Boss's Milky Way in that sense. Um, it, it has a similar vibe. I, I can't say it's like it's not exact. I'm not comparing it by any means, but yeah. just to kind of give people an idea, um, if 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 you haven't heard of Boss, then that obviously yeah. that comparison means nothing to you. But you know, well, Boss is on that album too. So if you want to kill two birds with one stone, there you go. It's very yeah. true. Yeah, that beat uh, track is is fantastic. Yeah, it is. That song, that song is a banger. Fantastic. And, uh, I mean, we could go on about Joey Badass, but I thought that was really cool that Coda put put on like a a, a three Brooklyn uh, a little three Brooklyn single there. That's a that's a cool call. That's a cool collab to me. Oh yeah, no, that that's probably one of my favorites on on the album for sure. Yeah. It is that track. Um, yeah. I'm curious. I like, I like Away Park, man. That song, like that song, touches my soul. Oh, oh, I can actually remember that one now off the top of my head. Yeah, that one goes. Um, no, that's a dude, That's a that's a great that's a great project though for anybody yeah. to check out. I think that 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 it's definitely it's definitely up there as, as one of the better better projects yeah. I've heard this year for sure. I really uh, like the Saba project. I I like I like Saba in general. His whole body of work. Saba's, I'd say, like in that. I think we've kind of moved to that step before mainstream right now or just breaking into mainstream and, and Saba is dope. I love Saba, man. I really do. I think he's, I think he's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, that really, like you said, that whole camp, I love Smino. Yeah. Uh, that Noir album has really, really grown yeah. me for sure. And I don't think you can talk about those guys without talking about No Name either because No Name's kind of tied up with them. And No Name's, I mean, on top of, what she's doing for the African-American community right now is, uh, is an absolute poet. Uh, she's, she is a poet who raps. She's not a rapper. Oh, she's, she's been, I would say, I would argue one of the most poetic hip hop artists that we've heard mm-hmm. in quite a while in terms of yeah. like, if you she's go, listen, yeah, she's, yeah, she's a poet who just happens to you know make music out of it I, in my opinion I, I totally agree with that if you hear her last album i think it's like the first track yeah it is literally a slam poem it's mm-hmm. and it's so good just the way that she's able to use that rhythm to really like uh, it's i you just gotta gotta go listen to it it's it's so good and and then she has a, i think the next second track is like black uh black exploitation or whatever yeah Again, she's she's been a artist that, and I know that I know we you and I had talked about the J Cole and No Name situation, and yeah. and we talked about it on the show. I mean, it was one of our opening uh, warm up uh, segments for one of our Boston artists, past Boston Boston artist reviews. But you know, No Name, what she what she she can't get hasn't gotten enough credit for is being an advocate for you know black equality and you know the systemic racism that we inevitably do see in 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 america still uh you know she has been an advocate for that for a long time Mm -hmm. and and i think you're starting to like 
see that passion from her. You know what I mean? Because she feels like, you know, yeah. we can't lose momentum with it now, right? Because she's she also smells blood right now. She she's on the attack and I and like I don't I don't blame her. That's how I'd be too. Oh yeah, yeah. No. I, I agree. I, I, I think that there she she had her in her own right. She was she was very you know uh, and she didn't even do it in, in like a not like an articulate way. I think or, or, or non articulate way. It, it came from like like you said a place of passion. Yeah. You know, her to stand up and be like you know and the self awareness too right like I, I give her that like, she's like I am not a J Cole I'm not a Kendrick Lamar like I need yeah. you guys to like break that barrier for me you know. Yeah. Like, and she's she's been an artist to to do that you know what i mean in the last yeah. couple and i hope people give her more attention i want to i want to talk about something kind of related to that now that you brought that up is i think from j cole's perspective i don't want to get into this whole beef again but i understand where j cole is coming from because i think your your number one responsibility as an artist especially one who's who's a poet is to see the world not change the world your 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 goal is not to be preaching and while i think there's a place in that for for music that that backs a movement or uh, political music I, i don't think i don't think that's the first responsibility of a poet in their music i i think i think for for sure they need to be advocating for that outside of their music but i don't think there's a responsibility for any musician to make songs about that no and uh, and i i see it even in the sports world too i mean because i know we, we both coached like i don't i don't see it as a because i know the nhl got a lot like a huge backlash for you know that nobody was was uh kneeling during the anthem and then yeah. you know they obviously you try kneeling on ice well that's true too <laughs> I was like, first of all, what, since when are we looking to the NHL for social reform? Okay. And, I mean, obviously, like, you know, there were some people out there that were outraged with them. Some people that were on the other side being like, oh, like hockey is now my new favorite sport. And like, I think there's a lot of people in the middle, though, that are going just like one who really cares. And it, it doesn't really matter either way what the NHL does. But on the flip side of that, I you know, I think they, they don't have an obligation to, or a responsibility to do that. I, I, in my eyes, it was always just kind of like, it would be nice if, if the NHL did something, they have a platform like they should yeah. use. It. Um, are they wrong if they don't? Not necessarily, but you know, they, yeah. I, I am just happy that they did and that they did it. And I, I loved actually what they did. I, I thought the, yeah. I think, the start- the, I think the NBA has done a hell of a job, uh, both just in the restart and in what they've done, uh, addressing uh racial tension and uh in the, the whole movement right now they've done they've done a really classy and elegant job of it the nba is the poster child for not only how to run sports during coronavirus but even more so because this is the one that matters the most is the social reform like yeah. i think adam silver has done yeah. an incredible job to give these guys a pl- not only a platform, but the ability to speak out about what they yep. believe, what they feel, and what they want to change. And and I love how, you know, the players got the options to do, you know, do the sayings over the back. I, I find myself watching the NBA trying to look like, ooh, like who put what on their back of their yeah. jersey? Like, you know what I mean? Like I it's saw. You try to guess who's scoring now too. You're like, oh, social reform with the bucket from deep. Like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, that's Mo Bamba. How did I not see that? 
Oh man, that's so funny. No, it's cool to see them all. Like I know a lot of the yeah. majority of lives matter. Like I know that's Tatum's got that on the back. I, I liked Gordon uh, Gordon Hayward picked. I thought education reform is is a really yeah. cool. I'm definitely an advocate. I know you are too. That we're both advocates to to continuously create a better educational yeah. system in, in any way that we possibly can for the mm-hmm. students we have now, and then you know the next generation of students. So that's really going to be yeah. you know the people that are going to continue to push these social changes, man. Cause like, you know, I, I don't mean to be cynical like this in any way, shape or form. I just don't see in our lifetime that it's going to like get it to where we quite want to be. I think we're no, going to, no. in our lifetime, we're going to see the steps that are going to get us there. It's going to be the generations coming up that are really yeah. going to be able to create that change. I mean, I, I think we, as you say, especially as educators, it's our responsibility to push this forward as best as we can. Absolutely. And especially. So, I think I think it's an easy conversation, not an easy conversation to have, but it's a it's a conversation that kids are ready for at the high school age, and yes. it's a really delicate matter for kids my age, um, the, the age that I'm teaching. So, um, but that's something that's really important to me as an educator, and I'm still trying to learn how best to approach that uh, from an early childhood standpoint. Um, but I'm. I'm working with a, a group of teachers to try to do my best to to figure out how to approach this. Right. Um, and I think I think we have to we have to write this. We we have to figure out how this goes. Like no one's no one's done this the way that it needs to be done before. So we need to be the ones to do it. Yes. Oh, I totally I agree with that. Like I I don't think that we have the res- like I agree with that thousand percent. Like I don't think we have the responsibility to make all the necessary changes, but we do have a huge responsibility to instill the right mindsets, mm-hmm. really the right frameworks for what this could look like 20, 30, 40 years down the line. I really, in, in my eyes, to me, it's, it, it is, it is a responsibility for us, you know, as young as we can kind of start to instill it and again, I know it's, it's a, it's a touchy thing. It's, it's interesting, yeah. difficult when the kids are a lot younger, but if you are instilling some of those things as early as you can, it will, I think will help. I mean, I think just for, just for kindergarten, just for example, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, re, I think that something like this helps is just reading books, potentially like children's books. There's a ton out there in different cultures and different perspectives. I think yeah. like, that's something I'm looking to do. And uh, I talked about this a little bit when I was on uh Tempo zone podcast, your max, uh, his, his, his podcast, but you uh-huh. know, I, my senior curriculum I'm making is mostly centered around non-white male authors because it just in in my five years teaching, I've kind of tend to notice, and not everywhere, this is definitely not everywhere, but um, a, a vast majority of the literature, and I, I, I only speak to this from my high school experience, that a vast majority of it was really written from either a white male perspective or less, less and less. So a white female perspective. So I, I think that there needs to be a little bit more, you know, especially in English, what I teach, like, I think we getting like, you obviously love stories. So I think getting some of these stories out there is, is really important. And I think it would be great to see for kids, you know, as, as young as you can just, just, Again, you don't have to get political with it. You don't have to, you know, talk about the actual rooted like Black Lives Matter issues or, you know, social reform or anything like that. If you just, I think, read to them different perspectives, 
yeah. from different types of people that in itself, you know, is, is gonna, you know, when you plant those seeds early, hopefully they'll grow into something and they'll be able to, you know, it'll be the, the, the stuff, you know, that when, once they get to me basically, right. Like it'll become yeah. a lot more accessible and it'll be yeah. like that, that foundation will be there, but that foundation's not there you know, right now in, and I think just in the educational system in America, personally, like I just don't right. see right now. I think we're working towards it. I think we're having the right discussions about it right now, but we can't like, like no name is saying we cannot lose momentum. And I think that that is in, in, yeah. in really in essence, the important thing here. Got to push. Yeah. I, I think that it's more important now than ever. So Oh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are you, what are your thoughts on like, you know, artist and producer interactions? Like, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not really in the music scene. So, and I've always wanted to kind of get a feel for this. Like, what does that process look like in terms of, you know, working with producers? Cause I know you worked with a bunch of different producers on your album. So, you know, maybe talk to me a little bit about like how you kind of got to find the producers that you worked with. What are some of your favorite producers to work with? Some of the favorite producers that you like to listen to? Um, yeah. really just the interaction in the music industry as a whole. Well, I'll go back to the beginning and that, um, when I first started making rap music, I would just try to find a beat on YouTube. I would download it and then I'd try to make a song. Um, and it was a while till I started, you know, posting stuff. Then I got kind of involved in the SoundCloud community and I started, uh, back when SoundCloud was the thing. Uh, that's that's such an old fat that's like saying blockbuster at this point like <laughs> people are like what's he talking about i don't know man. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 still like on the in the background i guess but yeah 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 uh so i started seeing like okay these there there's these producers who are really good and they have a lot of followers and i'd like to work with them how do i go about this and my first thought was okay i'm just gonna use their music and then I realized, like, that's not the way to go about this. They're taking time to, to make something. They're, they're putting their time and effort into it. So I'm going to hit up every single producer from now on that I want to use a beat from. And I'm going to compliment them. I'm going to say, I love your beat. Like, let's, let's see how this goes. Um, the long and short of it, and it's still this way today, sometimes they want to work with you and sometimes they don't. Sometimes you get ignored. But like you got to respect whatever a producer does because they're putting in time and effort. They're working really hard. And it's your responsibility as a, a musician to respect wherever they go with that. So I've been I've been fortunate to work with some great producers this year. who I would say like have far more clout than me. And that's awesome. Like I, I love the opportunity to do that. Um, but at the same time, I've worked with a couple producers who are, are quote unquote nobody like they have less followers than me or they have no one and that or like however you want to measure those things less streams and that shit doesn't matter at the end of the day I'm looking for good production and I'm going to treat the guy with 200 followers or 100 follower on Instagram the same way as I treat the guy with 5,000 10,000 followers on Instagram if I like your beat I'm going to tell you I like your beat and I want to use it tell me how this is going to work and if the dude with 20 followers says, uh, I, I want 40 bucks for this and I really like the beat, I'm going to pay him 40 bucks. And if the dude with 10,000 followers tells me, uh, you can have this beat, I really like your music, then I'm going to say thank you and make a song on that beat. It doesn't matter. Right. So at the end of the day, if you are paying for a beat 
then you should um, communicate with the artist or with the producer about what you're paying for. So whether it's an exclusive, that means that you're the only one who can use that beat. Usually there's more or less restrictions as far as uh, how many streams you can use, how much you can do with that. Um, or uh, if it's a lease, um, there's other, other artists that can use that beat. Um, there's tighter stipulations on how many streams you can get or what you can do with it. But it's just super important to have those conversations with producers. It, it's not, it's not a grab and take and use type system. And that's the way that it used to be. And it used to be a song was, uh, I don't want to throw Lil Wayne under the bus, but since we were talking about him earlier, it used to be, used to be a song by Lil Wayne and you, you had no, no idea who the producer was. You just said that's a song by Lil Wayne. And um, it, it's time that that's not the way we do things anymore, that the producers consulted with, that um, they're considered an equal in that track. So generally what I do is if a producer gives me a beat for free, um, I split royalties with him 50-50. Um, and if a producer makes me pay, then I communicate with him how much he'd like as far as royalties or what he or she thinks is fair. Um, and I think that's the way it's got to be across the board. Um, and I'm sick of seeing producers being taken advantage of by vocalists. I'd like that to stop. I love doing that. I just went on a rant. No, no, dude. It was all <laughs> Love. I, I just wanted to just tell you like how much I like I love that approach because you're actually not the first person to tell me that, you know, there's definitely a, a, a general feeling that, you know, oftentimes producers, unless you're, you know, you're one of the big names, if you're Metro Boomin or really, you know, whoever else you want to, you want to really throw in that to T minus, right? Whoever, whoever you want to put in that category, a lot of times, yeah. even so, even if you're that big of a producer, you know, there's a lot of times that's you get overlooked, right? Like, I mean, it's just, it's more like you really think more about the artists when you hear a certain song than the producer yeah. a lot of times. And the producer doesn't get that, you know, that, um, you know, that front face, you know what I mean? Like they're not the, 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 the face yeah. of that song a lot they're of the time. They're not on the album cover. thousand percent. And so from, I agree with you, like, you know, producers, you know, might be the most charitable and like giving people in, in the business because, and they're just, they're creating all these beats that artists are getting inspired by, especially if you're not somebody that's, you know, um, you know, really can't make a lot of beats yourself or, or you're not really, you know, you're not in that do it yourself uh, zone with the beats. I, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we have to, you're right. We have to give producers a little bit more of some credit late, you know, especially now because yeah. you know, the, in the instrumental is as important as the execution of the song yeah. lyrically, and melodically and all that. What it comes down to is I can't make a song if I don't have an instrumental. I write my songs to my instrumentals. I don't write and then put them to an instrumental. So I, I need to hear your song even to make that song become a reality. Um, so um, you uh, you asked me to also shout out a couple of great producers that I work with this year, so I'll do that right now. Um, Kick Tracks, uh, you know that track very well. He's, yeah. he's dope. Um, really lucky to work with him. Um, Sleepover, uh, he, he produced my song Gumbo Eyes. 
he's really on the he's more on the lo-fi side and he's he's a lo-fi artist that I really really enjoy um mentioned flapjacks uh, uh piper beats big part of my album um he produced both the uh uh the title track and the single um so definitely owe him a lot um and then uh someone who's a little bit more under the radar than those other guys is my homie matt sear um he, he's a close friend of mine and he uh he did a couple of the beats uh especially like the interlude beats on my album but he also mixed and mastered the vast majority of it and mixes and masters the vast majority of my uh of my music and people like that i mean it wouldn't what i do wouldn't be possible without those people right Oh, absolutely. It becomes like a collective effort. And I, I really love what you said too about, you know, treating the artists that might have 20 followers the same as the one or the producer, whether it's producer or artist, but treating the artist or the producer that has 20 followers the same as you would the one that has a hundred thousand. Right. And interestingly enough, I find that, you know, with music, especially, and I I like your process a ton because you, you know, you listen to the music and you get inspired by the music and you want to write to the song or what you hear. Mm -hmm. I like, I personally, if if I was an artist, I feel like that's how I would do it as well. But in terms of, you know, I feel like with creating a song, I mean, again, I'm not an artist, so maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but I feel like it's all about cultivating that energy that you want to cultivate. And let's say, you know, with that producer that has a hundred thousand followers, right. Or a hundred thousand streams a month or whatever it is. Right. You might not even create that or cultivate that same energy or that energy you're looking for as you might with the, with the producer or artist that has 20 followers. You know what I'm saying? So it's really all about, you know, I think the energy and the feeling of, of what you're getting and who you're working with. I think it's less to do with just like, you know, getting a beat from, if you got a beat from, if you got a beat from Metro Boomin, I mean, I don't know what it would do for me. You know, it would, you definitely get more streams. It would be a good fit for me. That's what I'm saying. Right. So it's just, it's like just because, you know, somebody is bigger or they have, you know, more clout, as you said, right. Like that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a good fit. It has to be, has to be some kind of artistic vision. I feel like in a sense, right. Like, or, I need to be put in a mood as soon as I hear an instrumental and that's the first uh, test that it passes and from there uh, I'll usually freestyle and if I can't freestyle to it that I'm not that good at freestyling so don't make me freestyle or anything but if uh, if uh, I can't freestyle well to it or better than usual um, then uh, I know that it's not a good fit because it's really all about finding that cadence and, and seeing how are my vocals, how, are, how is my intonation, how are the way that I end lines, um, how are all these things going to contribute to to a track after it fits in a mood that I feel. Right. Um, and oftentimes one of the interesting things that happens during that is while I'm going through that process, while I'm just kind of brain dumping, that's when a hook gets written or at least the start of a hook. Um, and it's amazing how often that hurt happens. You, you just come up with something catchy and then you start repeating that and then you're like, wow, this is kind of cool. And that's how a lot of my hooks get ran, right, right there on the uh, out out of the box. Like I remember, I remember hearing what's the di- the what's the difference beat the first time, and I was just like, I said, what's the difference to myself? Like I remember just like, I think I was rapping it even. I was like, I I wasn't even like close to what the song became, but 
but you get in that mode you hear a phrase that like works well over that instrumentation and you're like what can i do with this and I, that's how a lot of songs start getting written um but for me so for me the producer not only is giving me a beat uh to be a platform for my writing and my vocals but they're also inspiring me to write a song so i, I feel like i owe that to to the producers in general to to uh respect them to show them love to shout them out to give them their money when they they want their money like it's uh it's that's something that I'm not cool with is people taking advantage of producers. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's like anything like, you know, you need produce, we need producers to, like you're saying, create and cultivate the sounds that, you know, inherently inspire artists and, you know, without, yeah. without them, you know, the music industry doesn't quite work the same way. You, you have mm-hmm. to rely on yourself to make your beats. And if you're not instrumentally or musically inclined, that's going to, that's gonna, definitely going to be a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. Or getting samples cleared and things like that. So it becomes a whole new ball game. Uh, and yeah. that's, so yeah, producers are, are vital and, and definitely don't get as much credit as, as they deserve, which, and again, you aren't the first person to have brought this up to me, but uh, yeah. on or off air, but it, it really, you're, you're speaking a great sentiment. And I think that is, is a great message for all people in the music industry hearing this now or whenever to, yeah. to really keep that in mind, that that is, that that is inherently a, a, a place that, you know, as artists and, and as really just people, all people of, of the music scene, we have to, we have to, you know, support our producers for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that's another reason that I, I so much appreciate what like the lo-fi music scene is doing right now in general. Uh, on the beat side, um, there's a huge community here in Boston that during regular times uh, will do will do shows. And uh, we I'd say like people who are involved or associated with the lo-fi community are really kind of confused by the term lo-fi itself because um, it, it means so it means everything and nothing at the same time like there's there's no real meaning to the term lo-fi it just means the way that people have labeled it it means either jazz influenced uh uh softer drums uh dissonant sounds uh, all those all those things contribute to what people call quote-unquote lo-fi but whatever the case may be the fact that that platform of quote-unquote lo-fi hip-hop listeners is given both Boston and the United States and the world is the opportunity for beats to stand alone. And that's, that's something that's going to keep driving forward. Um, so I'm excited to see, see the continued growth of that. And it's really, it's taking off like crazy right now. And I love to see it. Absolutely. I love that. You know, I agree. I think the Boston music scene is and really just the Massachusetts music scene as a whole is, yeah. is a great place. I think we're thriving. And I think that, it's not going to take that much longer and maybe I'm wrong, but you know, maybe this is just, you know, being a little bit, um, you know, a, a little bit too naive here, but I, I really do think that Boston's in a right, in the right direction. And Matt, like I said, Massachusetts as a whole, uh, I watched yeah. ask you quick. One of my, one of my second to last questions was, um, your time in, in the Boston music scene for now, at least. Oh, shit. You're going to make me cry, dog. Oh God. I know. Is it, this is our first, first guest that's going to cry. Is it, <laughs> you? Is it going to be, we haven't had a cry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we're good. Let's go. All right. You could fake some with that water if you wanted to. Just, you know, yeah, just yeah, put yeah. a little there. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> um, 
So in terms of Boston and, and Massachusetts as a whole, throw me some artists and producers that really have been either your favorites, you know, throughout your time here in Boston or, uh, or that are your favorites right now, or, you know, whether it's, you know, listening to them or working with them or seeing them live or whatever that, whatever the case is. No doubt. Um, big, big, big shout out to a couple of the first people here. Um, Loman. Um, Loman's uh, producer, he owns uh, the hat, uh, hat I'm wearing here. Not the hat. This is my hat. But I bought it from Loman at uh, Union Sound Shop in, uh, in Somerville. Um, Loman is very much uh, become like a hub for the, for the beat community in Boston and for a lot of uh, local, uh, local rappers in general. Um, working both, uh, he, he's a great producer. You should check out his, his, his beats in general, but also just in his contribution to the local scene um, and, and giving us, a, a, giving the scene like a place to really thrive. Um, and uh, in a different, in that same light is uh, uh, Razen, uh, R-A-H-Z-E-N. Uh, Razen is, um, he founded, uh, the show Nightworks. I don't know if you've heard of, heard of the show, but Maybe. it's a, um, Boston based, uh, beat show, um, usually ends with some ciphers. Um, and they've attracted some producers who are out of this world talented and some people to Boston that I never thought I would see in person. Um, so, um, th those people who are really uh, that's that's where the most of my appreciation from the Boston scene goes to is the people who are really pushing the scene forward as a whole, um, and I think that's that's something that that I really loved in my time here is seeing how how many people show up for that and show out for that, and how much love there is and support for other artists and how how we're all pushing each other to get better. Um, so that's definitely something I'll miss about the scene here is just getting together those beat shows. And it, it sucks that it had to end in five or six months since I've been able to do those things. And we've all been able to do those things. So I would have loved to have a few more of them, but um, it was awesome while it lasted. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I was just starting to get into like the scene when I feel like it, it hit, like really, like yeah. I don't even mean just like, you know, surfing the web and finding it, you know what I mean? Or, or Spotify. Yeah. Instagram, whatever like i mean actually like going to the sh going out to the shows and like yeah. seeing what we have in the city and in the state for sure so no i i think the, we're, there's a ton of talent here i mean just go look at our night school playlist i mean on spotify yeah. you'll find yeah. i was i was really focused on on the producers right there but there there are some incredible incredible rappers in the boston area too i encourage you to check out kadeem uh, I don't know if you know Kadeem, but he's dope. Uh, I'm, I'm friends personally with Hero, um, who I know is a friend of the show also. Absolutely. So, we, uh, we, Hero and Stewie Gray and all those guys, the Bars Over Bars guys are, are definitely doing some good things. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're pushing the scene and, and they're younger guys, so that's good to see too. Yes. Um, and, uh, um, I mean, you could you could go all the way up to – uh, Joiner Lucas uh, and and back down. So there's there's people all over uh, from mainstream to semi-mainstream to just starting to make a name for themselves who deserve credit. And I want to see you all. I want to see you all make it. That's like that's the biggest thing. Like I don't want to make it 
more than I want to see you make it. Like I want to do it all together. Let's all let's all go out there and get our bread. Dude, I I agree, and and I feel like you know that's coming together. I think it's starting. I really do. And uh, yeah, we we have some things in the works over here that I I hope are going to be what do it. Um, I can't speak on those things quite yet, but because because there we're still oh man, but the international I, man of mystery. Yes, yes, I'm. I actually love, I love Austin Powers. Those are one of my students <laughs> growing up for sure. So, uh, but my man. You've been amazing this whole episode. You have given us and our listeners some amazing gems for today. I'm so blessed to have you here. And I'm so grateful that, you know, you were able to give the Boston music scene as much as you did. And we're going to, I mean, just because you're relocating does not mean that we're not going to still rock for you, man. And everybody here, like, we're going to keep pushing for you. Absolutely. Like you said. On my end, this is it. Like, I'm never talking to you again. I'm losing your number. (laughs) lose my hey i I thought we were (laughs) at least at least at least i thought good acquaintances if not friends right (laughs) friends we're we're there we're there i'll be i'll be in touch for sure did i not read the room right i thought you know (laughs) (laughs) my final question it's i mean it's it's not really it it was a surprise earlier on in quarantine when it wasn't really a thing now it's a thing everybody knows it's coming the dream song scenario Okay. For, the, for those of you guys that are just joining us and have never been here, we ask our artists that come on the show the same ending question. If they had a dream song, if they could make a song with any artist, dead or alive, uh, producers as well are, are into this. What does that song look like? Who is on it? Et cetera, et cetera. Structure it for you. Producer or a few producers if you want different instruments or different sounds for, with diff- from different people. Uh, so okay. you couple of producers if you want a few uh you also get someone to do the hook for your track and you two guess verses and then you get a verse so it's we're calling it a traditional song so your dream song scenario let's start with producers because that's where you start we have to start there so yeah go all right um i'm gonna act surprised about this question like oh i I didn't see that coming but (laughs) Um, I've seen enough. I've seen enough of these to know that this would come in. So I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat prepared for this. I love it. But, uh, this is, this is what I got. So I'm the actual sticks. Like, uh, uh, I want, I want JDL. Or uh, do, you, do you know who uh, New Jobbies is? Oh yes, isn't? I think yeah. the, um, didn't Logic talk about them being like a, a big influence for him? I want yeah. to say on his last on his yeah, last so, album. Look, I'm I'm not gonna get too much on this because I've already gone on an absolute rant about uh, producers. Look up new jobbies and yeah, uh, you really won't good. be disappointed. Really, uh, really good. Yeah. So I'd go I'd go some combination of new jobbies and Dilla, both dead unfortunately. So uh, I don't have that going for me. But I'm gonna amplify that with uh, giving them uh, Masego and Thundercat. So we're gonna get some we're gonna get some sax on this. We're gonna get some oh. Masego like vocal layers. So I'm not adding Masego to my hook per se, but he's just going to give some like airy, uh, airy vocals to that. And Thundercat is going to rip the bass. Oh. And, well, and Masego, hopefully, is do- like you said, he's doing sax too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Masego is primarily there for the sax. Well, the sax. I, just, I just want a little bit like I, w- I just want some breathy vocals on there too from Masego. Oh, for sure. But, no, I'm with you. Uh, Masego's great. Yeah, but, but Masego's there for his saxophone. Thundercat's there for his bass. 
Um, I, I don't know if you've seen Mac's uh, tiny desk, but maybe I'll put uh, put him on like the triangle or the bells or whatever he was playing on that uh, one song. That was hilarious. The great tiny desk, man. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So Thundercat, Masego, Dylan, Ujabis. That's what's going into my beat. A lot of, a lot of effort on the beat. I love that. So I kind of, I kind of double and triple dipped on the beat. So I'm going to scale it back a little bit on the, uh, on the vocalist. Okay. Um, I'm going uh, Lauren Hill on the hook. Um, and I'd also like uh, probably like a little transition verse from Lauren Hill, like a little singy rap type thing. Okay. Um, so I want I want Lauren Hill singing on the hook. Um, then I want a J. Cole verse. Then I want a uh, then I want a Lauren Hill like out. I don't even know how to say that like an interlude. Um, and then I want another Lauren Hill ver- uh, chorus. And then I want to spit the last verse. So we're okay. So we're go- we're going a lot of Lauren Hill on on the vocals. Yeah, I- yeah. Lauren Hill is going to play a big part in this. Wow, dude, ah, that would be if you could. If I mean. We always talk <laughs> if you if you could actually cultivate that and make that really that's part of this that we're trying to speak these things into existence right for all you guys <laughs> all you guys to make it right and, and oh, get, God. well first get, of all you got to revive two dead producers so good luck i mean there's always posthumous stuff you could i'm, I'm sure like, <laughs> for like a million dollars get like yeah. a verse you know i mean uh, excuse me or like some kind of beat potentially or or yeah. or, or stem from a beat right Look up uh, New Jobby's, uh, their, uh, their work with uh, the, spe- the specifics. Okay. I haven't, I haven't heard any of that with, it, with them. It's good, but I digress. Yeah, that Feather song, like I said, from them is, is really uh, great. And um, yeah, I've always been a Lauryn Hill fan. I love Lauryn. Yeah. And I think she would fit. I've always wanted Lauryn Hill, J. Cole. That I thought that would always have been. It's, just, it's so natural. They they belong together. Yeah, I feel like that would that would work so so well, and yeah. then and oh, and then Thundercat on the bass. I mean, doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I just want a little texture. You know, Thundercat really mixes things up. Yeah, you got to have the texture there. I, I really I love instrumentals that have some quality of the they were produced and some quality of the the live instrumentation. And that's something that moving forward, um, I'm hoping to do more of uh, in my music. I want more live instruments. Yeah, the live instruments. You know who, you know, circling back to this a little bit, you know who I saw that weirdly enough had a great live instrument uh, instrumentation behind them when I saw them perform with Smino. Smino, yeah. I could see him killing that. It was awesome. It was really cool. Yeah. Like Earth Gang opened for them at the time when I saw them, and you know they yeah. obviously Earth Gang did their thing. They're incredible, and then great, great. And so some of the best performance you might see on stage is, is Earth Gang. I'm, I'm yeah. talking right now if you're a hip hop fan, especially. Uh, yeah. It was so cool to see Smino actually have a live band behind him because I didn't quite expect that out of out of him. But yeah. it, I, I loved it. I thought it was. I thought it really made for for an awesome performance and. I would love to see more hip hop artists do that. I think that would be yeah. really cool to have like, not just like a DJ, someone doing, you know, or, uh, you know, doing the beats and things like that. I would really love to see like live instrumentation or hip hop artists yeah. use, utilize that a lot more, you know? Um, once, once we start talking performing again, that's going to be one of my first goals is try to get some people together who can, who can uh, 
who can put this album uh, into uh, instrumentation, live instrumentation, because I think it's very possible. Oh, you mean you mean this album? Yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> we both got it. I love it. We both got the physical copies on him. Yeah, well, guys, like I said, I mean, if if this you know this episode has not sold you on Virgil, I'm not I'm not sure what will, but this uh, this album will definitely sell you even further if you haven't heard it. This is Timelines, Virgil's brand new debut album. It is out everywhere now. Virgil, tell the people where you can find, uh, where they can find you on Instagram and socials. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Instagram, uh, check out Virgil Raps. And I'm not even going to bother wasting any more breath. You can find anything that you need to find on there. Uh, oh. We'll keep it short and sweet. We'll link it all in the description for you as well. We'll link the album and the Instagram page, Virgil's Instagram page. There you can find out all about you know his new adventure in Florida from there and, and everything he's done in the past with uh, in, in Boston and Massachusetts as a whole. The album is amazing, guys. Definitely go check it out. And Virgil, thank you so much for a wonderful episode. I am really excited that we got to sit down and do this before you uh, before you left. But uh, and, and and best of luck in Florida. And we will still be repping you uh, up in the Northeast. That is no question about that. Absolutely, really appreciate the time, man. And it's been a pleasure. Really has, man. Really has. And I appreciate you. And uh, best of luck with, uh, you know, the new school year and regardless of what that looks like. And, you know, I, I, I love to see somebody that's in hip hop doing something, you know, really to give back to the community as a teacher and a coach and like as a teacher and a coach, it just, you know, it, it really makes me happy to see that. So uh, best of luck to you in that as well. Thanks so much, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. Guys, thank you for an amazing episode. You can find us at Turntable Teachers on Instagram. Uh, we can find our, all of our other interviews on our website, www.turntableteachers.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today and this week, and we will be back next week with a brand new episode. But for now, I'm Mike. This is Virgil with the Turntable Teachers. Class is dismissed. Turn, 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 turn,